You're going down. 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 Are Arsenal going down? Tom Rennie, if Arsenal going down, Burnley sure as hell's going down with them. Hey everybody, it's the Week in the Tackle podcast. Great to be with you. Weird show this week because usually we get Brian up nice and early and it's normally mid-afternoon Monday for me. I've had me coffee, I've had me breakfast, the cleaner's been in, been a lovely morning. But no, I've just walked in the door maybe 20 minutes ago, having been at Emirates Stadium today on Sunday as we record this for Arsenal's debacle of a performance against Chelsea, a team they used to challenge for Premier League titles. Now it's a team that might challenge for a title, plus all the other things, and one that is going to be battling Everton for a top-half finish. It's a weird world right now. Um, Dunny, how do you feel about being up late and not up early? Because I know that when you get early risers up late, sometimes they get very grouchy. Have you got something that's going to get you through this show? Have you had a cigarette? Did you have a pre-show <laughs> donut? What did you do? I actually went for a run, Rennie. I went for a run. I saw your tweet. You were at the Emirates. You looked fantastic on video. And I was like, man, I got like an hour and a half to get this run in. I did eight miles up in the mountains. I was feeling fantastic. Legs were about to fall off. Got me some blisters underneath my feet. Thankfully, didn't see a mountain lion on the run. And uh, when I got in the shower, the arch of my foot cramped up. You ever had an arch cramp? The worst. Usually in the middle of the night, like I'm stretching or something, and it cramps up on me. This is how I know I'm getting old. I was in the shower. I was washing my hair. And the arch in my foot cramped up. And it was like, ah, and I started doing like <laughs> yeah. front toe stretch. Yeah. Like, Lukaku's running at me. <laughs> <laughs> You're basically sexy Pablo Mari in that scenario. Oh, I like what that. What a shocker. Oh, my what God. Oh, my God. I'm glad you're all right. I'm glad your foot's all right. Thank you. I'm Thank glad you. you already thrown in wash your hair. So that's already one dig. That's fine. I'll get you back, buddy. <laughs> Um, but I want to talk about the Arsenal game, the Arsenal-Chelsea game, and there's loads to talk about from the game, but I just want to tell you this little anecdote from the game that I really, really loved. So the press bit at Arsenal, so I took a press seat this week, and I'm loving going to these games for this show because I'm just going to watch the games and not working. It's great. And you get to chat to everyone you haven't seen for ages and ages and all that. Anyway, yes, I'm sitting in this seat, and from the viewpoint that you've got, You've got almost got concrete in front of you. And you're sitting in the fans bit. So you can hear all the fans coming in, going out. It's not a great press bit if you're going to do live commentary of a game. Anyway, next to us is three or four stewards that have obviously worked there for years and years and years. They're old Arsenal faces. Second half just starts. Everyone's sitting down and a lovely woman comes out. She must have been late 40s, early 50s. And she comes up so jovial. She's like, Ron, how are you, Ron? Good to see you, Lenny. How are you, pal? You all right? Well, this is rubbish, isn't it? (laughs) I just thought it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. She was so happy about being back, but also so honest about, my God, Arsenal, eh? What happened? Mm. What happened to us? She was probably there when they moved there with Henri and when they had these legendary players and they had Robin Van Persie in the early years of Emirates Stadium and he had the captain's armband and they brought Cesc Fabregas through. You know, all of that, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And you look at this team now and you just, I just don't know what's happening. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what the vision is. I don't know what the ideas are. And look, I want to get into the, the, to the, the minutiae of the game because it was so interesting and Chelsea was so, so good. But I want to start with the negs because... It was so obvious what was happening in the game. 
Okay. And Reese James was free the entire first half. When Mikel Arteta first came in, he went full David Moyes and he went 3-5-2 or 3-6-1 and he tried to shut down games and he got good results against big teams. He tried to go toe-to-toe with Chelsea. Yeah, he, he did. He tried to go toe-to-toe with Chelsea and Reese James kept going, nobody's marking me. No one's marking. Give me the ball. Give me the ball. I'm open. Pass me the I'm ball. Open. I'm open. I'm open. It was just crazy. Yeah. It was just so... And, and like... That lovely lady knew it. I knew it. Everyone in the stadium knew it. Yeah. Mikko Arteta didn't know it. Now, I want to ask you whether you think he is the right man for the Arsenal job at this point, but I do want to caveat with a nuance that I don't want us to be the show that's like, sack him, get yeah, him out. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're not, you know, callers. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it'd be good to have some sort of nuance here, but also you can't ever watch a game like that, especially when you go and especially when you're not working, you're just observing. You're watching, you're thinking, Drop Saka 20 yards deeper to Mark Reese James or yeah. go three, five, two. Stop that, and we might be all right here. And he did nothing. Yeah. And I just don't quite understand how a manager of a major soccer club, one of the, the biggest names the Premier League has, which in itself is the biggest league internationally in the world, and he didn't spot their best player was unmarked for an hour. Explain that. So I, I, I want to unravel this. Obviously, when you're talking about Ben White testing positive for COVID, he would have been in the starting 11 instead of Rob Holding. So we know there's one change. Obama Yang, if fully fit and had not tested positive for COVID, there would have been two changes. Thomas Partey, had he been available, that would have been another change. He would have been in for Lacongo alongside Granit Xhaka. So there's a, a little bit of the spine of the team. And then Odegaard would have been available. But right now, everyone's screaming off the top of the roof about Nicholas Pepe in the form he's in. Obviously, Smith robing given a new contract in the number 10 jersey. And then Bakayo Saka, one of the most exciting, dynamic young players in the game. Okay, once we get past all that, I spent a lot of money this summer. Spent a lot of money on some younger players. And you would assume this is kind of the transition for success for the next phase of whatever the next couple of years of Arsenal look like. Here's my problem. If we continue to have this narrative that Mikel Arteta is like a Pep Guardiola light, right? He's a Pep disciple. Fantastic. That's great. Everybody, almost everybody, 95% of the world wants to play like Pep Guardiola. Hmm. But guess what? Only Pep Guardiola has Pep Guardiola's team. Mikel Arteta, he might have been able to manage Man City a couple of different occasions where Pep gave him a little bit of the rope for the first team and let him make the decisions in cut matches or in worthless games. But for Mikel Arteta, if he wants to mimic what Pep's doing at City, good luck because yeah. you're going to lose your job. But because he doesn't, these players though, does he? aren't good like, enough. He, he, I don't think he does. I, he I, I find to that play to be a false narrative. That's it. He just there are elements. There are elements of like any formation that looks a bit Guardiola-esque, right? But that, there's no element of Pep Guardiola football that Arteta plays. He doesn't play it. He never played it. There's doesn't no point the players, where this yeah. Arsenal team. No, but even I don't think even with the, these poor players, he's really trying to do it. Early days, you could tell what he was trying to do, which was outhouse his way to a couple of points here, there, get to the FA Cup and just kind of like try and nick a goal and we can. And he had a Bamiyang in red hot form to do that. That red hot form, I mean, I don't know, you know, COVID is one thing, but a Bamiyang has been shocking for such a long time at this point. Like, it's hard to imagine now that two and a half, three years ago, whenever Lukaku went to Inter, before we left the Premier League last time, there were debates we were having on Sirius XMFC, which were like, who would you rather have, Aubameyang or Lukaku? Mm. And that wouldn't have been a debate because the answer was Aubameyang. 
hundred percent. Like it wasn't yeah. really worth our time having that debate. Yeah. We could have that now. And again, it isn't worth our time because <laughs> the answer is Lukaku without even having to think over. about it a great yeah. deal. You know, so Arteta had that at some point. But you mentioned that the players they brought in and they, and they were missing some players. But look, Thomas Partey, I, there was a great tweet I had in a game last year from an Atletic fan, Atletico Madrid fan. And they were like, Arteta's even managed to turn Partey rubbish. You know, uh, he, had never, he never had a good game. He offered almost nothing last season for Arsenal, various injuries. You know, Kieran Tierney's gone from the indestructible fullback at Celtic to made a matchsticks Jack Wilshere number two. You know, <laughs> there's, there's nothing he's been able to improve. And these signings they've brought in, it's, it's astonishing, right? Hmm. The Arsenal this week, we're all doing this like Erdegaard is home. It's from Norway. And he's had yeah. 15 clubs. He's not yeah. coming home. And last year when he left, no one was that sad to see him go. Aaron Ramsdale is double relegated. Rubbish. Ben White, you mentioned. Look, I think Ben White might be quite good. But I've seen Ben White play best right of a three or defensive midfield. And I actually think he would probably come in for Pablo Mari. Rob Holding, I think, is probably their best defender. Why? Because at least he knows he's going bald, right? At least he knows he's going bald. <laughs> he's accepted it. He's accepted Rob Holding's it. the kind of guy that when he knows he's gone bald, he shaved his head and got on with it. Rob Holding's the kind of guy when a cross comes in, he's just going to clear it. He's, he's just going to clear it. Don't worry. I'm yeah. going to clear it. Get me the razor. I'm going to clear this. I'm not going to try and turn it into some sort of a Bamiyang weird nine haircuts in one nonsense. I'm not going to be it like... Rain. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going <laughs> to spray paint my hair on and there'll be just black paint in my eyes for seven, eight minutes. No, get me the razor, love. Right? I'm going play yeah. for the Arsenal. Stevie Bold, you know, beautiful. That's yeah, what I want to yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. But, I, I, you know, I, I, I just don't... He's not an Arsenal player. There's so much of this. And, like, they're new signings, right? Erdogan, Ramsdale, White, Sambi Lukonga. I mean, Nuno, <laughs> there was a brilliant bit. I'm going to talk a bit more about fans back there because I'm loving it so much. But there was a bit when Tavares come on and the Chelsea fans who were in full voice, proper cocky. Who the effing hell is that? And it's like, yeah, who the effing hell is that? On for Tierney? Yeah. Just some miscellaneous nonsense kid from Benfica? Like, this is the kind of guy that should be on loan from Arsenal to Port Vale. And he's on! Or, I, I or, or to Benfica. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And... And, and Arsenal fans are still, and even the positive ones, there are a few that were giving Arteta some grief, but they're like, and there are lots of people out there, Sol Campbell's doing media today, and that they can see what he's trying to do, they say. I watched Arsenal a lot, and I watched that game, and fair enough, it's Chelsea, Chelsea are sublime, and we should talk about that, and I think we will. But I'm watching it thinking, I don't, I don't see how this club could have declined so far. They're nowhere near the top four. They may well finish sixth on a run because they have some good players that may go in a hot streak at some point. But they are in somehow... The Everton, West Ham, Leicester, Villa mix of teams that if they have a good season, they might qualify for the conference. Hmm. What's going on? And and would you be surprised if Bielsa and Leeds finished above them? Absolutely not. I think yeah. it, it, Muller watching uh, Leeds this weekend. I think yeah. Ellen Road, Arsenal. Yeah. My goodness me. It's it's gonna be incredible. So I I, I just my my whole thing is body language, right? So Question, random question. Here we were at the end of Euros talking about Granit Xhaka going to Roma. Why is he wearing the captain's band? Why is he wearing the captain's band? If you were legitimately having conversations about him leaving. Now, Aubameyang comes on. He goes over. He gets the captain's band from Granit Xhaka. We move on. The, the narrative 
is this positive spirit. And they tried and they competed. That doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything at all. It mm. doesn't. And, and what Arsenal needs to be careful of, and by the way, if you're an American and you know anything about Arsenal's owner, you know mm. everything about what the future of the club is going to look like. Yeah. They, for the size, for the stature, for the history, they don't deserve to become ir- irrelevant. No. And but they are irrelevant. That's a great word. They're completely irrelevant to this season. Um, and, and they've spent more money in this transfer window than any other team. But to go back to those signings and the way they look at the moment, even those that are out, there's not one player Arsenal have bought that I think improves their first team. And you watch that game. And again, people will say, oh, yeah, but they're Chelsea and we're Arsenal. It used to be the other way around. And Arsenal are still arguably a bigger club than Chelsea, certainly internationally. They've certainly got more supporters. 100%. 100%. You know, they, they, they still somehow sell out the Emirates, despite the fact it's the most expensive ticket still in, in English football. It's amazing. All their games would be on TV. You know, everyone listening in America is going to watch every minute of every single Arsenal game, probably in a unique time slot, so you can really watch the game. Bad news for Arteta. And you're watching it thinking, I mean, it was such a big job. And I feel sorry for Arteta in a way, because that, when you watch Thomas Tuchel, right, and you see what he's done when he came in for Frank Lampard last year, you see a man who came in and he came in ready to reach a peak. You see a man at the top of his game. He's made mistakes. He's learned lessons. He's had his fallouts. He's had his successes. And Arteta has not had them. And sometimes that can work out for you, but very, very, very rarely. And you're watching a man make mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake. And tactically, there were errors all over the place. He tried to go toe-to-toe. You know, it was like mid-table team against good team. Adrenaline might get us a go in the first 15 minutes. When Chelsea got on top, he changed nothing to try and get back in the game. He changed nothing in a positive way. No thing he did was right. Same and, as last week. Same as this week. And, and oh. micromanaging. Micromanaging the entire time. So here in the States, you know what we what what they keyed in on? They keyed on keyed in on Arteta micromanaging and Thomas Tuchel smoking an unfiltered red sitting on the beach at Chelsea, <laughs> just watching his team. And, and you knew tactically, and listen, it's not, it's, you, it's, it's, uh, uh, <laughs> I watched a fantastic movie the other night. Um, inconceivable. And that's what it was. Inconceivable trying to compare this Chelsea side to yes. this Arsenal side, the names on the back of the jerseys, the players. I, 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 I couldn't, I don't even know if I can make an argument for a single player I'd swap out that I would say, oh, Arsenal better than Chelsea. I would I say there's not a single Arsenal player that makes the Chelsea bench. None of them. They would no. not get on the bench for that Chelsea team. Look at the Chelsea bench, mm. first and foremost. Yeah, it's crazy. Like the entire Chelsea bench walks into the Arsenal team. There is not one Arsenal player that would get in Chelsea's match day squad. So you're absolutely right. The caveats are there. However, that's a period of mismanagement over a long, long period of time that's led us here. It's Man City next. And then where they go from here, even a managerial change, I do not know. I do know that they might have Aaron Ramsdale in go in three weeks, and that means definite relegation. Um, let's talk about Chelsea, because that was the, the big story of the weekend, certainly going into the weekend. Lukaku, Lukaku, Lukaku. He's 16 pounds lighter yeah. since the last time he was in the Premier League. He's dropped the pasta, and he's eating black rice and cod a lot, uh, training with some sort of uh, former rugby. I mean, he's a rugby union player who played for Italy. 
Italy are useless at rugby union. So I don't even know whether this is a good person to be learning from. It's like, oh yeah, I'm learning how to do kick-ups from San Marino's all-time appearance maker. This is not a good person to be doing this. Or maybe it is. I don't know if the guy's in great shape. I'll bring it later. Um, but he was... Well, the last time I saw him in the Premier League, last time I saw him in the flesh, I obviously haven't watched him play with my eyes in Italy, apart from a few times on TV and play for Belgium, whatever. And I watched him in a game for Man United. I was thinking of it, watching the game on Sunday. And I remember thinking at the time, he looked so fat. He looked fat. He was lumbering. He was oafish. His ball control was poor. He couldn't get in the penalty area when a chance presented himself. He looked like he was unhappy. He was getting shunted around the team. Yeah. And he looked glum. This guy looks like an Adonis. Like he looks prime. Yeah. His fitness looks incredible. His physique looks unbelievable. And the way he made Pablo Mari and Rob Holding... We can debate how good we think these guys are, but they're full-grown adults. Yeah. And he made them... That's not a compliment, is it? They're full-grown adults. Um, they're old enough to marry, have sex, and go to prison. And that's the important thing for a footballer. Depending on your religion. That's true. That's <laughs> not, it's not an age thing. Sometimes you've got to ask your dad. <laughs> um, but I don't know. Yeah, that's what religion is that. I don't know. Um, but he made them look like five-year-olds. Like, and the way he just yeah. kept rolling them and pushing them and shoving them. I was and, a former center back over here. I was watching it and, and I knew, so I, I can tell you. So first off, as a United fan, I'm, I'm sad, but I'm happy for him. I'm sad because watching him at United near the end, that, that, that wasn't the Lukaku that he was supposed to be. He was looking more like Gonzalo Higuain. Now mm. you're right. There's, there's no body fat. I, I, the for, for as much stick as we give Antonio Conte, Chelsea fans who hated Antonio Conte should be praying to the Saint Conte because what he did for Lukaku in these last two years, he transformed this guy. And you talk about the intelligence of the player. I mean, the, kid, the, kid, the guy speaks like six, seven different languages. Mm. Super, super high intelligence. But all we ever talked about was like strength and size and mm. pace and all the things. And I just think he's such a well-rounded player. And every single time that Lakongo or Shaka would, would vacate, he'd be like, all right, play me the ball. Mm. He'd literally put his arm back. He'd feel where the defender was. And every time Pablo Mari went tight, he rolled him. Yeah. Every time he went, he could feel that there was no distance, he turned and ran at him. And I can tell you as a center back, and I played against some, there was this guy named El Tanque Hurtado. The tank, El Tanque Hurtado. He was an Ecuadorian. Uh, yeah, I translated that one myself, but yeah, yeah. El Tanque. For it out for us. He was the tank. <laughs> um, so when I was a young defender, right, I was playing next to Alexi Lalas. This is 1997, New England Revolution. Alexi with the beard and the hair, and like Alexi Lalas. Hmm. We were we were center back partners, and he we were in LA. We were playing LA Galaxy. El Tanque Hurtado was killing Commonwealth at the time. He was about six four, weighed in about two twenty and was literally speed, strength, athleticism, all the things we talk about Lukaku. And Alexi told me, he goes, Dunny, you're like a buck 65 right now. I was like 20 years old, still growing, like physically growing into my body. He goes, touch tight. Like, don't get too close that he wraps you, but just make sure your hand is on his back because that way you can read if he spins right or spins left. And that'll give you a chance to toe poke the ball off him. But if you go tight to him and you body him, he's going to put an arm around you. And because he weighs 50 pounds more than you, he's going to spin you like a top. Hmm. He is going to be untouchable. And by the way, 
and this this is going to sound crazy, but there's a blessing for Ben White that he did not play today. Yeah. And the blessing was he was already under pressure for what happened last week at Brentford. He would have gotten rolled this game the same way Pablo Mari got rolled. And for him not being in the side, we're not talking about he's not worth the money. We're not talking about what a horrible signing. We're not talking about all, the kid who had probably some of the biggest momentum behind him from the England squad of what he could look like at a bigger club doesn't deserve to be at a bigger club because he's just a Brighton level type of player. So Lukaku, I'm jealous as a United fan because this is the Lukaku that I thought he was going to turn into, but I wish the guy all the best. And he's, he's going to score. He's going to score 25 goals easily. He's going to score 25 goals this season. If he stays healthy. Yeah, I agree. 25 at a minimum. He is going to destroy this league. (laughs) Um, especially if he plays teams as poor as Arsenal every week. And just to, to re-emphasize a point from a moment ago, let me just read you the Chelsea bench because I was kind of half joking, but now I'm convinced that, yeah, not a chance. <laughs> um, Ziyech, Chilwell, Hudson-Odoi, Zuma, Chalaba, Werner, Conte, Thiago Silva and Kepa. Hmm. Now, there is maybe a debate for Bernd Leno to get on the Chelsea bench in front of Kepa. And yeah. that is a maybe. Yeah, I That's don't, a maybe. I... And Burnt Leno's about to lose his job to Ramsdale. So, and, oh and, and Polisic, and Polisic testing positive. And that's, so he and that's there without, either. there's a bunch of, I mean, there's a bunch of players they don't have as well. Mm-hmm. These are players that, that, that made the bench today. There was a list earlier on of players that, you know, there was, there's a few others that didn't make the squad of which Pulisic, one of the most famous of them. I mean, it's an incredible squad with the right manager. The missing piece was the striker. I think maybe they're a Virgil van Dijk, proper world-class defender, Thiago Silva, his peak from being my favorites to win the league. I think that's the one thing that maybe I'd say it was lacking, but lacking that is so that's the minutiae of Man City and Chelsea having a title race that might well, when they play each other, make a difference. But then players have grown. Christensen looked good. Aspilicueta is, is a Premier League legend. Uh, Rudiger is a tremendous one Bissaka level recovery tackler. You know, there's a lot to like about all the aspects that Chelsea do. And not just Lukaku as well. Reese James looks in amazing shape. Yeah. Uh, Jorginho looks in amazing shape. Alonso can sprint. Did you know that? He, I'm telling you, this formation, man, he's not a flat four. He's not a flat four left-sided defender. He is a wing back, and he yeah. flies. And by the way, is there, in a sub-note in this, we were wondering who was going to be the odd man out with Lukaku mm. coming in. Evidently, this is going to be Timo Werner super sub for the rest of the season. Yeah. Because today was the first day he could choose his real starting eleven even with Christian Pulisic not being involved. And this formation, that means that Havertz and Mason Mount, Mason Mount's going to play. Jorginho's going to play. And now that Conte's coming back, he's going to play. So this formation, it, it, it should roll a majority of these teams in the Premier League. And you know what the good news is about that? We come ever, ever closer to the inevitable Pulisic loan to West Ham. Mm. Mm. Ah? Mm. It'd be the new Jesse Lingard. He'd be back mm. on that Chelsea bench next year. Now, I mentioned Jesse Lingard moments ago. That leads us nicely to Manchester United, the team that, that you support. Now, I have to tell you, because I was traveling to the game, I've only seen the highlights of this one. I know yeah. I've normally seen every minute of every game. I do obviously know the scoreline. Tell me how 
Manchester United, who understandably said last week, it looked pretty tasty, actually, Mm. didn't beat a Southampton team. I continue to tip for relegation. What happened? Yeah, I had Southampton going down as well. Um, I don't understand Anthony Martial playing as a number nine. There's no reason to bring him into the side. I understand Rashford's not there. I understand Cavani's not there. I just don't understand at this point what Anthony Martial brings you as the true number nine for Manchester United. In the midfield, why in the world is Nemanja Matic playing? Why in the world is Nemanja Matic playing at this point? A sublime player. He was so good for so long. But even against Southampton, he shouldn't. The, he should be Carabao Cup starting, FA Cup starting Nemanja Matic. There's no reason with McTominay and Fred that he should get any minutes whatsoever. Why is he getting minutes? Why did he play? I think the same way Anthony Martial played. It was naive to think that they wouldn't roll Southampton. And in the first 45 minutes, they were flying, man. Paul Pogba and Bruno pinging the ball around. Mason Greenwood, probably the best finisher at United. I mean, this team was going and going and going. And then a little bit of controversy. And I know, listen, this whole narrative of like, oh, we're letting them play a little bit more. That's great. That's fine. And there was still a lot of work to do, but the, the, I'll say foul, but it's, it obviously wasn't a foul. The fact that Bruno was separated from the ball in the manner in which he was. If, if this was your team, Rennie, or this mm. was any, if this was Tim Horsey's Liverpool, that's a foul. But the fact that it isn't, that's fine. No, it I is mean, what it is. I, I get it. Listen, I get they, it. But they but they are trying, you know, Solskjaer wins about this later. I watched the interview yeah. with him where it was like, you know, players are going to get injured. The guy, I forget the Southampton player, but the challenge was it Stevens, maybe. Yeah, it was he, Stevens. He, he puts his right leg across him and he hooks the ball away from Bruno Fernandes. Is that enough? You know, if you were the defender in that situation, Danny's steaming in and he's nicking the ball off Bruno Fernandes. He doesn't like kick his legs up in the air or push him. He was his playing, le- he was his playing leg in the and player takes the ball. to get to the ball. He was playing the player to get I, to the ball. I'm on board with this. Let it go. I get let it. it roll. I, okay, I, fine. No problem. Rennie, if you lost a game by conceding that goal, are you happy with that? I haven't been happy since the early 90s. That's my point. (laughs) That's my point. Bruno has created a narrative, and everybody is hyper aware of the way that he goes down and the screaming that he goes down. And at some point, he has to, along with everybody else, recognize that the referees, they're human. They watch mm. the highlights. They watch the games. They know what this sh- almost curse. Sorry, Tim. Yes, they, we're not doing know. it this week. They know. They know. So listen, I, I'm, I, that's I not don't think he got it wrong. I don't agree. I don't think he got it wrong. That, I think Tom, they have been told. Well, I know they've been told. They have been told to let yeah. it go yeah. unless you think it's a real foul, proper foul. Let the games roll more. I think that's why they have better games. Right. I think it will it. stop the diving and the jumping. And I don't think it was a foul. It I think that's a good, clean Muscular It'll be tackle. the first quarter of the season that they'll be loosey goosey, yeah. and then when the Champions League, it's when then, the Champions League comes back, and really, the Champions League, yep, you're yep. getting free kicks for everything, and then, it will exactly. go back to that So, listen again. That's not the reason why they drew. It's the inability to finish their chances. Mm. It's the stupidity in which they were giving up balls in the midfield, and they were just super sloppy. United mm. was incredibly sloppy in the second half. But nobody will ever convince me that Anthony Martial and Nemanja Matic at this stage are starting players for Manchester United. And by the The way, the trouble is that Dave saves. 
Dave saves again. Yes. That Armstrong, Armstrong should have scored. He should Ooh. have scored. Ooh. I'm not sure it was a great save as it was a poor finish, but on Anthony Martial, we are surely now at the point where Anthony Martial is too fetch. Stop trying to make fetch happen, Gretchen. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, Gretchen, okay? I did want to mention this because fans are back and I have been really enjoying it, as I think everyone has watching it on TV, going to games. But there was a couple of bits in the Leeds game against Everton. Now, that game, folks, if you haven't watched it, watch the highlights, watch it. It was a sensational game of football. It was an end-to-end, blistering game of football. 2-2 two, two it finished. It could have been 8-8. There was the brilliant outhousery from Yerry Mina on Patrick Bamford, where he put his arm at one point, his head under the arm of Bamford at one point, hoping Bamford would move his arm a little bit into that stooped head so he could pretend he was getting elbowed. There was all sorts of nonsense going on. It was really, really great. But really, it's the supporters I want to tell you about here, right? So, Everton get a penalty. It's the right call, I think, on the, the VAR replay. The shirt is being pulled by Liam Cooper. The penalty was given. It's the right decision. Took a long time to get there. It's a packed Edden Road in the Premier League for the first time in, what, 17, 18 years. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Incredible atmosphere. Right. So, Calvert-Lewin steps up to take this penalty after this long, long delay. I hope you watch the replays of the penalty being taken because there is one specific angle from a camera which is right by where the managers are. And there is what can only be described as a fat bloke. He's about 50-55. He's wearing a black polo shirt and he's got a skinhead. And he obviously used to be a bit tasty in the late 80s. And when Calvert-Lewin goes up to take the penalty, he pulls up his shirt underneath the breast so it's still pg didn't show nips so he can be published on instagram and he just starts slapping his giant belly like a drum boom yeah. boom 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 <laughs> boom 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 amazing uh calvert lewin still scores the penalty that's one amazing element element number two calvert lewin then runs off to the leeds fans at the at the end they're at i, I can't wait in there remember the jack title end I mean, he's running over there and he then holds his shirt up to show my name's Calvert-Lewin. When he turns round, there is a man who looks like a fat John Oliver. Everyone's fat in this story. Um, <laughs> fat John Oliver in the front row. So he's got like John Oliver's like bangs from 15 years ago and the big, thick black glasses. Looks like the kind of guy that probably doesn't have a wife. And he's basically <laughs> looking at Calvert-Lewin directly in the eye. Calvert-Lewin's looking bat at, at him. Millionaire footballer who has just got to go in the Premier League and he's going... Wanker! <laughs> right in his face. It is tremendous. And then, oh. on the wide shot, there is a woman who can only be described as fat. She's in her 50s. She looks a little bit like Brian Potter in the seminal sitcom Phoenix Nights, as played by the great comedian Peter Kay. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you're going to have a wonderful afternoon binging all that. And she's sitting there, and bearing in mind Peter Kay is a man, She's sitting there with her grey hair and she's giving him the old Stone Cold Steve Austin. And it is just, <laughs> she looks like everyone's lovely old nan oh, yeah. flipping him the bird while fat John Oliver calls him a wanker and while some other fatty is whacking his belly together. It was just a just cavalcade of fandomonium. I loved it so much. Uh, and it just went perfectly with this game that made no sense all the way across it. That's what I want from the fans. That sweet, sweet nonsense. I loved it so much. Yeah, that sweet nonsense at Ellen Road that we've been waiting so long, so long 
for them to come back to the Premier League. This is some of the best stuff in, in, in terms of fans being back in the stadiums. The banter, the songs, the 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 piss and the giggles going back and forth. I'm here for it. I love it. And by the way, it's okay. The banter. It's okay. It's okay. Just just let's have fun. Yeah. Let's have fun. Let's not always take it so serious and let's just have fun with it. And I think that's what we've seen for the last two weeks in the Premier League. Yeah, they're not taking it personally, bit of it. You know, there is a line. You know what the line is. Everyone knows what the line is. And the line isn't, for me at least, calling Dominic Calvert-Lewin a wanker. What else you got for us this week? I got to tell you something, Rennie. What in the hell is this Oracle win probability percentage drop down underneath the score box and the T? I don't know if this is over there if we're taking it off the Premier League bug. But here in the States... There's this Oracle ad, there's sell, this sell, sales element that's dropping down, and the bug is what the score is and what the time, you know, okay, so it's uh, Manchester United against Southampton. It's the 54th minute, and all of a sudden, this Oracle dropdown is like powered by Oracle. It's like the win probability percentage for Man United is currently at 74%. That means for Southampton, it's currently at 26%. Southampton was winning at the time. <laughs> I, I just it's oh. so stupid like what are we like i get it like i really do i know at halftime we come back and we do we 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 have these drop downs and it's like 12 shots to five shots four shots yeah. on frame to fourth shots on frame 49 percent possession 51 percent possession two yellow cards one yellow card zero red card zero red card i get all that at halftime i don't need to see it in the middle of the match I don't need to see your stupid ad element that you're making monopoly money on for some moron to tell me that Southampton has a 24% win percent. Like, so when Manchester United was one, one, it was like 74% Manchester United win probability percentage. And at the end of the 90 plus fourth, I was like, stuff it Oracle. And you're 74% because it's a draw. You moron. The thing is with the, Statisticalification yes. of like football. That. Yeah, you like that? I do. I'm putting that in the dictionary. Um, the thing, I'm not saying it again, that was very difficult. The thing is with it is that it's like the movie Inception. So originally you go down one level into the first dream level and you think, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. You're yep. going into the first dream. Yep. The first dream level is possession, shots on target, shots off target, corners and that's probably about it and then we've got to go a level deeper and the next level you're doing action areas so that's 30 percent, 20 percent next in the middle and you think okay all right i mean all right doesn't necessarily matter because the ball's in that bit because they had it so okay it could tell you something but we gotta go a level deeper. So now you're in the hotel bit with DiCaprio and was it Cumberbatch? No, it's the other one from Piggy Blinders. And you're, you know, we're doing this thing now at another level. And then you're like, well, now we're at like, now we're at shots to goals ratio. And you think, okay, okay, okay. If you have 70 shots and you score eight goals, that gives you a percentage of like 17% of your shots go in. Okay, but it's just... You know, that then what makes a good chance? We've got to go a level deeper. So you go into another level of the inception and then you get to XG and then yeah. you get to expected XG and then you get to 
what constitutes a great chance? And then this becomes a 17% chance against a 60% chance. And then what angle is it from? And he only had a 6% chance of scoring the goal. The whole dream level's falling apart. If you die here, Man United win the league forever. You gotta go a level deeper. And then you get to this nonsense of of now win probability percentage. I was doing a game the other day and it was Norwich against Liverpool. It was already 100% to 0% that Norwich were going to win. (laughs) And then it was 2-0 to Liverpool with like eight minutes left and it was 99 to 1%. Where did Norwich get 1% chance from? There's no way. There's no way here. Who is making this up? Who is it for? What is the point? Inception was shit. Hey, Rennie, by the way, mm. did you see that Manchester City had a new documentary coming out that basically cataloged last season? No. Oh, let me tell you something. Not a Man City fan, Manchester United fan. But I love this behind-the-scenes stuff. I was saying last Thursday on Counterattack with Miola, please, for the love of God, if you own a club, spend the money on the production side to show us a little bit about yourselves. Give us the history of the club. Give us the personality of the players. Give us the locker room banter. Let us understand what you're trying to accomplish, both in the community, inside the locker room, on the training field, and most importantly, when you step out on the field. I just watched that Crystal Palace doc the other day. Mm. When Eagles Dare, I think it Is was. Is it good? It's pretty, pretty good. Is it? I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I, it's, I almost cursed again. Yeah, it was pretty good. What kind of unprofessional idiot would do that to end a brilliant bit? How Hmm? dare you? Um, I'm not a Palace fan. I was intrigued by it, like watching them struggle and watching Yannick Balassi come in and Zaha come in and you're watching the young guys mesh with the old guys and how Dougie Friedman left and went to Bolton in the middle. So what happens in the Man City one? And this is, can I watch this without having a subscription to something? No, no, it's on YouTube. It's free. free. They just popped it out there. They they put it on Twitter. They said, hey, by the way, we did this. Here it is. I, again, I'm a United fan. Is and it a club-made one, though? Do you remember the yeah, Juventus one the where it no, was like... Yeah, it's they, coming from they, the club. It, they had an average season, but it was like, here's an interview with Gonzalo Higuain sitting no, so, on a throne. So they're, like, talking about, like, okay, here's the beginning of the season, and they lost, you know, they, the first 12 games of the season. They weren't that good, and then all of a sudden, they go on the run, and here's this game, and then... You know, here's a Premier League game. Here's an FA Cup game. Here's a Champions League game. Here's where they got knocked out of the FA Cup game. This is when they went to PSG. This is the second leg at home against PSG. And then behind the scenes, they're showing, like, after the first leg, they come in the locker room. Then they show them, like, in the pool the next day, like, recovering. And, like, Ruben Diaz's English is fantastic. Uh, LK Gundogan, I want to be, like, best friends with this guy because his personality is incredible. Uh, they're showing Phil Foden, like, with Sergio Aguero and, like, their relationship from, like, the old established kind of, like, guy that put the yeah. club on the map who took a risk in his career versus, like, the new kid coming along. And Pep's talking and, you know, like, they're, they're like, for example, Riyad Mahrez created his own pasta for, like, when he goes into the, to the cafeteria. And now all the other guys copied him. And they were like, yeah, can I get a Riyadh pasta? What do you mean, create his own pasta? So what do you mean? He went in and you like when you go like, to the commissary. From his own, and you get you your mean food. the actual pasta or yeah, what was no, on the so pasta? He said, so like, they brought his I own like, this, with I him. Want, no, no, no. So I like, I want with for the chef. He's like, 
okay, I want like the spaghetti and I want the chicken extra cooked, fried a little bit. And then I want like the cheese. So his specific- So he put chicken and cheese on spaghetti and he called it it's, spaghetti I'm not doing a good job explaining the Riyadh pasta. Put a bit of cheese if on it, mate. you watch it, you'll hey, you know- Hey, you put a bit of cheese on this. We call it spaghetti alamares. We sell it in the club so shop. It's so good that the rest of the guys started calling it Riyadh pasta. Wow. But just like those random, those like little random things- I think, or, and then like watching the guys inside the locker room and like, for me as an ex pro, like I dig that stuff, you know, like yeah. them going out playing five V two, them talking about, do, you know, do, adversity. Yeah. Do you know what my issue is here? You What's know what up? my issue is here is that I'm not an ex pro. Right. And I think with all, all these documentaries, I watched some of the Man City one on Amazon. I watched some of Sunderland till I die because I quite like, they talked about the city of Sunderland as opposed to just like the football team. And uh, I spoke to Kit Simons, who was in it afterwards, and he told me some really funny bits about it. So that kind of appeals to me. Suddenly I suppose until I die is incredible like, because like it's, what more you're about, saying, it's, more, yeah. it's more about the community. Yes, and exactly. Besides, besides exactly. the train wreck of ownership and, and how they completely <laughs> the bed. Sorry, Tim, in terms of bringing players in and, I mean, and, I mean, and trying to tr- keep them up. The trouble in general is that I just don't... What I find interesting, and this is probably what's holding this average career blue back, bloods blue blood is the kitchen scene that they don't have a sunday lunch with tom Selleck, <laughs> and i just think tears no, are just, not flowing i just think that the football i love the game i love watching the game i love everything about the game the nuance of the game everything apart from you don't win care probability about percentage scenes? you don't care about like what gets them in between but the white lines the fact that riyad mahrez likes cheese on his pasta i don't know i'm just, what's wrong with you you're missing I the just, point i just i just think football is interesting footballers hit and miss for me and i think if it's you either just, that i watch blue blood season eight i'm gonna blue watch blue bloods Blood. and love island is much more I have been so busy. I had to, uh, straight after Casa and more. I don't even know what's happened. It's all been going on. There's been complaints to Ofcom, punch ups. He's gone. She's gone. They've broken up. How do you? I watch don't even that know. Because it's so. What about Ted Lasso? I've not had the time. But that's a fictionalized version what of soccer Roy where the people Kent's? in it are interesting. It's that's a fictionalized it's a version. Rom-com. I actually saw him do stand up a few years ago. He was very good. Oh, uh, Roy Kent. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, Brett Goldman, I think Brett is Goldman. his name. Yeah, it was brilliant. It was really funny. So I met Playton Andrew a few years ago. It was great. Everybody everybody speaks high. I've, I've never seen him do stand-up, but everyone speaks really highly of him. I just... He basically I, shouted at me for 20 minutes. I loved it. I thought it was oh, fantastic. Really? Is, yeah. it, does he, is it like a Roy Kent personality? When he I does mean, there, there was elements of it. I'm going okay. back about 10 years now. He was, no, he was before he was in the Ricky Gervais one as well. So it was a okay. long time ago. But I mean, he was. I remember him being... Because I remember his face. Because yeah. you see a lot of comics, especially when I was trying to be a comic. So you see a lot and you don't necessarily remember everybody. But I remembered him being really funny. And then you obviously... I just want to know how he keeps a straight face the whole time. How he just yeah. goes... Uh, uh, no. tough. But I like, haven't, sorry, I haven't seen it. I haven't, do you know... Cause so, I've been so good! I've only seen the first three. And it's not that I don't love it. I do love it. I've just not had the time. I've just not had the time. Put the baby to bed. Crack an alcoholic beverage. She is up at 5 a.m. every day these days. Screaming. Well, I've got three. What are you worried about? Screaming. Try, try yeah, but three you, of them. You're not doing much of the raising, are you? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on. You take Baby's them for a walk sleep. up a mountain, no, bring you, them back, and you, then you want to know, honestly, honestly, because of my job, yes, I would get up with all three in the middle of the night and hang out with my wife during you're a riser though you're a riser we're different in that i'm a later i'm a late man 
I'm the kind of guy that wouldn't go out to like 11.30 p.m. Our, our boys slept with us. When we got both of our boys out of our bed, yes. it was when the, new, the, the youngest baby was coming. Luca, uh, I refu- was coming. We, we refused to have the baby in bed with us. Refused. Why? Why? We got her out. They say, wait six months. We got her out six months and one minute. Why? And she's never come back in our room Why? again. Sex. <laughs> Not the baby, us. <laughs> I was going to say, turn, turn on... I don't know. Turn turn on uh, Super Mario Brothers. Let it let, let the baby Super play Mario Super Mario Brothers. Give him an iPad. Is that an aphrodisiac for you? Is Give that why you've iPad. got so many kids? Luca can play Super Mario Brothers right now uh, on the Wii. He plays with his brothers. He actually he actually put he your headphones on, Luca. Well. Put your headphones on. Mommy and Daddy gonna do some wrestling. You kidding me? After 15 years, you can figure out ways to be creative. Mommy's gonna watch a video of me on YouTube crying. Oh boy. I have one further thing this week. I know, oh. I know we've done a lot, but I have one further thing because I loved this. Uh, it was, I don't know why I loved it, but it was a very, very much a be still my beating heart moment. Uh, Liverpool Burnley, early game of Saturday. Here's the Burnley team. Number one, in goal, Nick Pope. Mm. Back four, left to right. Number three, Charlie Taylor. Number six, Ben Mee. Number five, James Tukowski. Number two, Matt Loughton. Oh, it's already nice. Left wing, number 11, Dwight McNeil. Right wing, Goodmanson, number seven, Josh Brownhill, Jack Cork. Eight and four in midfield. Eight, you're gallivanting marauder. Four, you're holder. Nine and 10 up front, Wooden Barnes. A team in the top flight of English football, any football, anywhere, one to 11. But not only that, in the right positions now your spanish will say that's wrong yeah i was gonna say four and six cork and me but that's where you're wrong that's where you're wrong Hmm. that is where you're all wrong world four is your dynamic holding midfielder six is you have a center half your ball playing center half your bobby moore five is your lumpy jack charlton center half Hmm. these are your numbers your classic english numbers it's different in other countries but for us over here that was almost rendering tears. It was like the bit in Blue Bloods where Erin and Tom Selleck this is gonna come be a to thing. a resolution. This is going to be a thing from now on. From their Blue hard Bloods. week of rowing about it. <laughs> I thought you guys messed up. It. I thought somebody messed up. My whole life I've been told that it's four and five. Well, I, I mean, I've seen three and four play center backs and five play as a left back before. But no good. the, no the good. six and four, I was like, what? Uh, are you sure you guys didn't really... Bunks this up a little bit. Uh, Bunks. Bunks, I love that. Bunks Bunks. this up. It's a way that I don't have to make Tim beep, bleep, bleep, bleep. Good. I f***ing loved it. (laughs) Well, there you go. Well, that is this week's Week in the Tackle episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Next week, it's going to be interesting. Why? Because next weekend, I am going on a stag do. And it's a stag do I've organized. I'm the best man for this stag do. And I'm going to be on a four-day boozathon extravaganza. And so I won't have seen any of the football till I get back to studio Monday when we record the podcast. So if you want the most unhinged podcast you've ever heard in your entire life, make sure you are with us next week. If you enjoyed this week's episode and also hate Inception, Uh, Leave us a five-star rating. 
Leave us a positive review as well. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora. Wherever you get your podcasts, we're a major podcast. We're everywhere. So just search for Week in the Tackle. It's also available on the SXM app. That's free for most SiriusXM subscribers. Download today, tap podcast for video clips of the show and more. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SiriusXMFC. Week in the Tackle is part of the SiriusXM podcast network and is produced by Tim Horsey. The executive producer is Pete Corey. Sound design was by Joey DeFazio. Andy King is the director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. Special thanks to SiriusXM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen, and SiriusXM FC's Program Director, Joe Tolleson. SiriusXM Podcasts. <laughs>